Are you ready to make the right moves and unlock your passion? Welcome to From the Inside Out with your host, Carla D. Walker. To be your best self in your personal life and your business life, all you need to do is look within yourself. Now, here is Carla D. Walker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to From the Inside Out. I'm your host, Carla D. Walker. Can you believe that it is November 20th? Now, you looked up on the calendar and it felt like we just had October was just here. Halloween. And now it is two days, two, three days before Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. I don't know about you, but it's just move. Time seems to be moving so fast. Are you ready for it? Yeah. We don't have any choice but to be ready, do we? How is everything going for you this morning? I think we have got a really great show uh, to start this Thanksgiving season, this holiday season with. And, um, you know, this time of year is one in which people tend to reflect on their lives and, and you know, why they got here or uh, why maybe they're not where they thought they should be or why they are doing more than what they thought would happen or, you know, they're thanking uh, uh, individuals, uh, thanking God, they're thanking um, uh, the world for their place in life, their health, their family, Um, but they're just kind of reflecting on what's happening to them uh, in the world and talking about and thinking about what we're grateful for. And we've got a lot to be grateful for and to be thankful for. And I'd love to hear what you're grateful for this year. So feel free to, uh, and we're going to maybe get into a little bit of that toward the end of the show. Uh, give me a call at one 888 346 And, um, or email me at Carla Walker from the at gmail.com and uh, we'll see what what, uh, maybe some of you are grateful for. Well, today I am very excited because I have uh, someone to introduce you to that some of you may already know, but the rest of you, uh, maybe this will be your first time. You know, we have so many people who are out in the world living their best life and just really proving that, you know, age is nothing but a number and it doesn't really mean anything if you are doing what you want to do and you're living that life. And I have a wonderful guest with me today that um, I've asked to share her story with us, uh, Mrs. Elmer Lucille Allen. Um I first met Miss Allen uh, through her daughter, Patricia, at Kentucky State University. So I have been aware of, I will say, Miss Allen for over uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, And she just keeps getting better and better. So without further ado, I want to tell you, say hello to Miss Allen. Miss Allen, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you this morning, ma'am? Well, I'm fine. I'm just waiting to hear uh, just to hear what you're going to ask me this morning. 
<laughs> well, Miss Allen, I'm going to introduce folks to you just to just a little bit to give them just a little background on you, and okay. then we'll get into the questions. Okay. Okay. So, Miss uh, Allen, my, my name my name is Elmer Lucille Allen, and I guess you wonder why I'm named Elmer. I was named Elmer for my father, and he wanted a boy, and instead he got a girl. And so in my family, you have Elmer Johnson Hammond Sr., Elmer Lucille Hammonds, and then you have Elmer Johnson Hammond Jr. So, so when you called our house, you had to use uh, you had to use all the names in order to speak to someone. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in uh, an all black uh, community, uh, and was not introduced to uh, the white community as far as education until I was a junior in college. So when you look at my neighborhood where I lived, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, Jefferson County, and I lived in a neighborhood between 17th and 18th on Chestnut Street. And in that neighborhood, there was a Baptist church that I got that I saw being built, a Jewish drugstore, and just common everyday people. And I didn't realize as a child what it meant to own a home. Because my mother rented a house, and I grew up in a three-story house, and uh, our family lived on the first floor. And in those days, a lot of the homes did not have hot and cold running water, and a lot of homes had outside toilets. But I was fortunate enough to grow up in a house that had two bathrooms and had indoor plumbing. Uh, but, but during that time, uh, no, ever, there was there weren't there were no furnaces in that time. So you had coal stoves and you had fireplaces and rooms. And in order for you to get the coal, the coal was ordered, and then you had to go and the coal was dropped off in the street. And it, and as a child, I remember going going to the taking a, a wheelbarrow, getting the coal and then taking and putting it down in the chute to go down into the basement. And in my neighborhood, I had two people that have become, that were very prominent in the uh, history of Louisville, Kentucky. And one was Mr. Thomas Blue. He lived at 1723 West Chestnut, and I lived at 1724 West Chestnut. And he was the first African-American librarian of the first African-American library in the United States. And that was Western Library that is still in existence at 10th and Chestnut Street in Louisville, Kentucky. And the other person was Albert Mizik, and he was an educator. And the two, and those two gentlemen worked together. And it's, uh, you think about people where you live, and you, and you don't realize the importance of where you live until you get older and you can look back and say, oh, I know that person, I know that person. But it's, all, it's seldom that people ask you, where do you live? Uh, I lived to, I went to all black elementary school, uh, junior high school, and high school. And each, and each of these schools, the Western, Western Elementary School and Madison Junior High School, were within two blocks of where I lived. And then when I went to Central High School, I had to walk a little further because it was at 8th and Chestnut, and we had to walk from 18th and Chestnut to go to school. And that was the only school in Louisville, Kentucky, for African-American, uh, public school for African-Americans. And all the teachers were black, and 
that was that was my basic and so all of my training when you, I look back my roots come from an African-American perspective mm-hmm. and so you look back and you realize that you had you you had a, a past that you bring now that you, I bring back to the future to the present now at that time I took all classes that were required in senior high school that were called college credits. You know, they were not college credits, but for college prep. So you took biology, you took zoology, botany, uh, physics, uh, uh, chemistry. But I didn't realize that I was on a science track. I just was taking courses that that was on the that I needed in order to go on the college track. Mm-hmm. And during that, also during that period of time, uh, foreign languages were required. And I took my first foreign language class in the ninth grade, and I took Latin for three years, and I took French for one year. Mm-hmm. And I was asked last year, uh, this young lady asked me, did I know Latin? I said, yeah, I took Latin back in, back in the 40s. And, but now they, it's, it's not a requirement in schools right. now for children to take foreign language, I don't think. No. And but it was it was just good to see and uh, to see everybody because uh, you, your neighbor your neighbors were just like your family and mm-hmm. that is what it, that's really what you need to be. Uh, you asked what was uh, my father? What my father was a Pullman porter, and that was a that was a good job for an African American man at that time. And a Pullman porter was one who served on the on the railroad, you know. And fix, you know, help people, you know, on the, uh, as they travel. And my right. mother was a maid and a cook for wealthy white families. And so that is, that is more or less my, that's my, more or less my background. I okay. have a sister and a brother, and, but I was the only one in my family who graduated from college during that time. Okay. All right. Uh, I, that, that sounds like that really prepared you for your future. And based upon the society that you were living in at that time, uh, that community seemed to provide you some strength and the support that you needed in order to be successful. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think that it prepared. It gave me the best knowledge that I could get at that time, you know, for Mm -hmm. being in an all black school. Mm -hmm. I think it did. I was prepared for that. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, now, Miss Allen, you are an artist. You are a yes, scientist, a scientist, a wife, a mother, a friend, grandmother, a breast cancer survivor, an avid learner, uh, and a social activist. Okay, you know that that that's that's a pretty full life. <laughs> you have uh, sounds as though you have touched a lot of people and. And have probably made some very significant impacts, but I'm also sure that along the way you may have run into some obstacles uh, that you had to work through. And what I'd like to do uh, in our next segment is talk just a little bit about uh, one, what it was about. Uh, science or what drew you into chemistry, but also what were some of the obstacles you faced as a woman and an African-American woman in science? And if we can touch a little bit on that when we come back, uh, that would be great. Okay, so, thank you. Okay, so we're going to go to a break and uh, 
We'll talk to you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else, unsure of what your purpose is, or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into from the inside out to reach carla walker or her guest today call us at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to carla walker from the inside out at gmail.com now back to the show hi welcome back we're here with mrs elmer lucille allen uh, who is an artist, a scientist, wife, mother, friend, grandmother, breast cancer survivor, and an avid learner and social activist. And Ms. Allen was giving us a little background uh, about herself. And I, I'd like to her to move into um, what was it about science or what drew her to science to become a chemist and how... Uh, what obstacles does she face as a woman and an African-American woman in science? Um, so, Ms. Allen, I'll, I'll let you go and uh, we'll hear what you got to say. Uh, when I graduated from high, from junior from high school, uh, there was only one place that I could go to attend college, and that was Louisville Municipal College. And that was a part of the University of Louisville. That was the black school. And 
I attended that school for two years. And at that school, I only took, they only offered uh, for the freshman and sophomore, all you took was survey courses. And in 1951, Little Municipal College closed. And the reason why it closed is because the day law was rescinded. Prior to that time, the day law prevented prohibited blacks and whites from attending the same school. And this law was in effect from 1904 to 1950. And at that time when I graduated, when at the second year, which was in 1951, I uh, moved to uh, Nazareth College as a junior. And this was a totally new environment. Uh, there are only a, this was a sec- third year the second year that the Nazareth College had integrated, and when you would you believe that in 1953 when I graduated, I was only the third African American to graduate from this institution. Wow! Uh, I did not realize that I was going to major in science. That was not my goal, but I ended up taking all science courses and math courses and requirements. And at that time, in order in a in a Catholic institution. You had to take 12 hours of religion and 12 hours of philosophy. So when it, when, I, when it came time to graduate in 1953, I had the most credits in science. So that's when how I got my, I got my degree in general education with a major in chemistry and a minor in math. But when I graduated, there were no jobs in Louisville, Kentucky, for an African American woman. So my first job that I took, I applied for a job in civil service. And my very first job was as a clerk typist at Fort Benjamin Harrison outside Indianapolis, Indiana. And I stayed there for a few months, but then I went into science. I became a med tech, and I worked at several hospitals as a med tech in Indianapolis and returned to Louisville in 1958 and began to work again as a med tech at Children's Hospital at that time. And as I continued, I wanted to progress. Then I accepted the position at the American Synthetic Rubber Company as a research chemist. Mm. And as you know, companies downsized, were downsized even in the 60s. And so I had to look for another job. And then I was hired as a research person for Dr. Felix Bronner at the University of Louisville Medical and Dental Research. And there we did, uh, we tested, worked on food, potassium and sodium on, on mice. And mm-hmm. I stayed there for a while. And while I was there, I was introduced to a co-worker, introduced me to several people, and she wanted to know if I wanted to move from working in the University of Louisville to a, to a factory job. And I told her, no, I wasn't interested in that, but I'd be interested in a scientific job. Mm-hmm. And so... I got an application for Brown Foreman, and I was in, and and I applied for a job as a junior chemist. And I got this job, and I went. My first day on the job was in April of 1966 mm-hmm. as a junior chemist, okay. and that was another totally different experience because there were four ladies in the in the lab, and I was the only African American lady, and the first person of color professional person at Brown Foreman. And, and when I went in and I, I told them that we 
how, and the only way that you could protect yourself is to say, we're all here, I was qualified to do the job, and we're all here to do the same job. And that's what I've always said. I just, I, you have to face obstacles as you go, and you just keep on working and do what you're supposed to do. If everybody does his or her job, then you will be successful in wherever you work. Uh, I worked at this job for years, and I did not realize that what I do today was based on those 31 years that I stayed at Brown Foreman. I still do computers, and I was introduced to computers as a junior in uh, as a junior in uh, in college, and I did what you did what you did called the key punch, and then I did what you did the teletype where you did tape and it went over the wire, and finally I was introduced to Apple. Uh, the Apple computer, and that's where I learned how to do VisiCal. And from there, I did Lotus. And from there, I went to what is now known as a spreadsheet, which is Excel. And th- and all these courses that I took at Brown Foreman, they sent you to classes to learn these classes. I did not have to go to school to learn these courses. And when I went into the science field at Brown Foreman, everything was what you call wet chemistry where you use pipetting and all this stuff. And all eventually, the labs became automated. And in order to learn how to use the instruments, we were sent to the companies that learned, that so in order to, t- to teach us how to do those. So I did gas chromatography and all these things, which are now common space, common practices in, in all different labs. And I, uh, had, I worked, and, and while I was there, you also did community work. You know, you worked out in the community. And one of the projects that Brown Foreman uh, actually put, uh, introduced me to was the Chester Street YMCA Black Achievers. And oh. I was one of the first, one of the first persons from Brown Foreman to receive this honor. And that, and that program is still in existence. And it recognizes, uh, this, the Black Achievers Program at the Chester Street YMCA, Louisville, Kentucky, recognizes Black Achievers every year during Black History Month. And uh, you realize that Miss uh, Allen. As you have to be a community person when you think about everything that you do. And at that time, where I lived in the West End, I helped organize what you call the chick, the little league, because uh-huh. I, I had two sons, and there was no there was little league. If you lived on the north side, on the north south side of Broadway, you could not play in the Chinese little league. And so I formed the Chickasaw Little League. Had six teams, and I and this this stayed in existence for about four years, and so it was a family project and. It is just, it's really good to sit back and realize that what I'm doing now is what I've always done. I'm involved in group, uh, like at the present time, I'm involved with the uh, Louisville Central Community Center on projects there. I'm also working with the Fraser Museum with the women's suffrage movement. And it just gives you good, good ideas. I work with the uh, ideas to share with other people. And you don't realize that you have knowledge that you've gained, that you can have input, that you don't know that you actually have until people ask the question, do you know this or do you know that? And so I'm still working in the community. Uh, every day I'm going somewhere, and I, I do not keep a calendar per se. 
I keep it all in memory, so I just go from one thing to the other. Mrs. And that's Allen. usually my day every day. Mrs. Allen, I know you are a busy, busy woman. <laughs> I realize that. But I, I want to know a little bit because, you know, we under, we got a little insight into your uh, world from the science perspective. But I also know you are a fantastic artist. And I have at least two pieces, maybe three of your sculptures. So can you talk a little bit about what it was that kind of drew you into the arts? What was for the love of the arts? And what medium do you work in? Well, uh, you know, actually, uh, you, you, I did not realize when I came, came up that sewing is an art form. And my aunt was a seamstress for wealthy people, and she had made all of their clothes, and my grandmother made all my clothes. And but but my but I also took uh, bought my first sewing machine when when I was in when college and I made all my clothes and when my daughter came along I made all her clothes and but I took we talked about going into art but I really didn't go into formal art training. I took my first art I took my first ceramic class in 1977, and I took it from at uh, adult education at uh, Seneca High School here in Louisville. And it was taught by a art therapist, and that was my first introduction to a pottery class. And from there, I went to uh, I uh, did what you call mold ceramics, where you go in and you decorate. In other words, it's already made and it's mm-hmm. poured, and all you it's all it's ready it's ready for you to decorate. Okay. And then from there, I went to a community center, which is run by Metro Parks, and called Metro Art Center. And there, I took ceramics that was taught by students by students who were working on the masters at the University of Louisville. And I stayed there for a couple of years, and then they said, well, Lucille, why don't you go and take college courses in, you know, in ceramics? And so then I decided, so I applied for the University of Louisville to go in to take a ceramics course. And so I took my first ceramic college course in 1981 from a professor called Tom Marsh. And I took those classes, and and I was still working, so I took one class every semester, you know, and I just... And so finally, after I retired in 1997, I decided I, was, I still wanted to... I'm a, I believe in continuing education. And so okay. I said I still want to take classes. But in 2000... I said I wanted to. They needed they needed people to go into the master's program, and they wanted to know if I would be willing to pursue a, a master's degree in ceramics. And I said, Oh yeah, I'm here all Ms. the time, so why not? Miss so Allen I started to take my uh, take a um, my pursue my course in ceramics. But in order to take to get a master's in ceramics, you had to take a second studio class. Miss Allen, I'm going to ask you to hold that and we're going to come back to you and you finish that thought on the other side. We're going to take a break right now. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time for you to take a sweet and honest look at your life. Tune into Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Klegel. 
Each week, Nikki invites you to call into the program, where she will connect with each listener to show the power of God's love in every unique instance. There are gracious gifts and elements of power within each one of us. You just need to discover them and find your life's purpose, live healthier and happier. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into from the inside out to reach carla walker or her guest today call us at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to carla walker from the inside out at gmail.com now back to the show all right we're here with mrs elmer lucille allen and she was talking about uh uh, her road to, uh, uh, I believe, getting a master's in uh, ceramics. And uh, I also want her to just touch a little bit, if you would, Miss Allen, on who your strongest supporters were um, and uh, what you, can you tell our listeners about being resilient and believing in yourself when other people doubt you uh, and what keeps you so excited about your life? Well, actually... Uh is that your your main my main supporters are your family. Your family is the most important thing. And then when you are a student in a in a classroom, that becomes your family also. So they support you. And and all the classes I have majority of the classes that I have taken, I'm either one or two in that class. And I think I'm the only African American that has graduated from the University of Louisville with a degree in ceramics. Oh. So that tells you something right there. And so yeah. when you think about your the feel of fiber and even in clay, there are very few. You can count the number of African-American artists that are actually majoring in these fields. And hmm. so I feel fortunate enough to be in a field that, is, that it's, a, it's narrow, 
but yet still it gives you exposure. Mm-hmm. And this past uh, this past year, uh, I was recognized for a what you call the Louisville Visual Arts uh, Award, and it recognized me as a uh, person who uh, just exemplifies. What, what art is, is that art is for everyone. When you look at art, art is communication. Mm-hmm. Because it, even though you might not realize it, is that you interact with every piece of art that you see. Mm-hmm. And, but my, my, I, my, ceramic, my, my ceramic pieces, I really prefer, I love teapots. Mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of work, but I just like to, I like to feel the looks and the shape of teapots. Mm-hmm. And when you go to my fiber work, it's all two. It's all two dimensional, and mm-hmm. they're wall hangings. And most of them are most of my designs within my uh, wall hangings. They're all geometric, and that goes back to my to my back my mathematics background. Mm-hmm. And like I say, and when I have an exhibit, they, you know, most of them my works are you know, are, are, are exceptionally they are appreciated for what they are. And they're all one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I want our listeners to know you are an exhibited artist. You're not yes, just some okey-doke uh-huh. hobby. Uh, most people tell maybe I'm fortunate enough to say that I create art for me. Mm-hmm. I do not create art to sell. If I sell it, it's fine. But uh, it's, 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 I do not depend on my art no, to make a living. So that's another thing that I have an advantage over. Young artists that are coming through now, they want to make a living. But see, I have I made my living. I retired in '97. Mm-hmm. I've not worked a day since I retired. Wow. And so, and I have my own stu- I have my own fiber studio outside mm-hmm. my house. But I'm a, but I take ceramics just to interact with other students at University of Louisville. Connection. Okay. Try again in a moment. What can you tell us about, or tell my listeners about being resilient and believing in yourself? Because you know, there are a lot of doubters out there, you know, who, who you, you're trying to pursue your dream, your goal, your aspiration, but there's always seems to be somebody who's trying to pull you back or who, who tell you you can't do it because you're a woman or you can't do this because you're African-American or black or you can't do this because of this, that, and the other. What can you tell our our listeners about being resilient and how to deal uh, with individuals who are negative, if you will. First of all, you have to be authentic. You have mm-hmm. to be who you are. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, carry yourself in an art in a, in a way that uh, you don't have to say what you stand out, but you, in other words, if I see you, whether I know you or not, I'm going to speak to you. Mm-hmm. Or, or just say hello. And when you, when you see my artwork, it speaks to you also. You know, you, I don't have to say anything because you're looking at it. And when you talk about resilience, you have to keep on keeping on. Mm. You know, you have to, my, like I do artwork, some, some type of artwork every day, whether it's writing about it or whether it's actually doing it. Uh, okay. work, like I'm working on, like I said, I'm still a, I'm a perpetual ceramic student at night uh-huh. at the University of Louisville and and uh, so, and we get ready for a holiday sale, and I sat down and did all the paperwork as what had to be done. But but you're there for people. I ha- I have the skills. I have at my home. You say, what do you do all day? Well, I got a scanner. I got a printer. I got a three. I got an iPad, an iMac, and a MacBook. And uh-huh. so so I'm I'm capable of interacting with people. I do not do social media. I do not do Facebook. 
but I would text and I would do and I would do email. Mm. And I think that you have to be true to yourself and let people know what you will do and what you will not do. Mm. And in order, and I believe in order to keep going, you have to keep on going. Mm. I believe you have to get up every day, mm-hmm. leave your house, and go and see a person to interact with. I mm. eat out every day just about somewhere. Mm-hmm. And people do, I do not know any of the people that I see, but they all know me. And when I go in, they say, hi, you, Miss Lucille, or hi, you, Miss L. But you get that connection, and you're in an atmosphere where you're surrounded by people, even though you don't, they don't know you by name, but you're not in an environment by yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of our senior citizens uh-huh. are, are, are held back because they feel like they are not accepted in certain communities, or mm-hmm. they are not. Or they do not want to go out by themselves. I still drive. I have my own car. I do. I'm, I'm independent, uh-huh. and so that makes a difference. And so I think that you, you know, I have friends of all ages, say from like my classes, the kid, the children in my ceramic class. They range from eighteen. And then there's one other one other senior citizen, and I think he's 72. But there's a there is an intergenerational uh, group of children that I deal with every 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 week. You know, mm. and I think that is what has kept me going is that you have young ideas, and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends do not leave home, and all they do is watch TV. A lot of them do not have computers, so they do not interact no at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what has kept me going. Hmm. Well, you know, you have worn so many roles in your life. Uh, what would you say is the most important one for you and why? Why is it so important? Uh, I think uh, one thing this past year, I received an award from Brown Foreman. And this is this is two side. This is 2018, and I retired in 1997. Mm-hmm. And they awarded me the Brown Foreman Splash Advocacy Award, and it was a total surprise. And they said that after this year, they're gonna award. They're gonna name that award Elmer Lucille Allen Award. Oh wow! And to think of a company, a worldwide company. Mm-hmm. that has named an award for you to go to someone within their company. It's an honor, and it's a privilege to be able to able to accept that and to uh, realize that you are affecting a lot of other people when they see me come in, and they said, oh, you've been retired over 20 years, over 30 years, and you're mm-hmm. still out here act, you know, interacting with people that are still here on the job. Mm-hmm. And it's just very nice to 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 be, I'll say, appreciated for the services that you did do, and you you are you are an example to people, whether you realize it or not, by just by being yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you do not have. I do not dress fancy. I'm just plain, ordinary Elmer Lucille Allen. I wear blue jeans and I wear a sweater top, and I like wearing necklaces that my daughter makes and. And I'm an AKA, and I've been a uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha woman since 1950. Wow! And so I just stay involved with organizations, and I just think that you need to be involved with people if you want to succeed in life. Mm. 
Fantastic. And I know your family is very important to you. How are you passing along your stories to your family? Well, I had some of my history. Uh, I was in a group called uh, Sisters in History uh, mm-hmm. this a couple of years ago. And there, this was a group of diverse, educated women across the, across the city. And we wrote, uh, each of us had to write two or three pages of our history. And this has now been put into the Universal Louisville Archives. Mm, and okay. also, I'm going to put there some stuff to the Filson Club, which is another historical society. You know, not only as an African-American woman, but as a scientist, as an artist, as a community person, that mm-hmm. I feel like that I can be an example for what young people can accomplish if they just stick to it. Okay. Well, Miss Allen, we're coming to the end of this segment, but I, I do want to ask you to share with our listeners maybe three to five key thoughts that you would like to share about living your best life and aging well. Well, I think I might have repeated myself. Uh, I think you need to talk to people every day. Okay. I think you need to be a role model for Uh your children and for your grandchildren and that you need Uh to interact with younger people not all people your age, you need to be able to communicate, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the younger people. And you right. need to eat healthy. You need to go to surroundings, to, ch- to churches, to art openings, to uh, community events that affect, affect the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, take part in your family, you know, make, help, help your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, that they see what you have accomplished. In other words, you, I'm just playing me, and I thank God every day because when I grew up, I started all the way through high school. And mm-hmm. I did not quit studying until I was my second honor student. Mm-hmm. And I stood in front of a class, and I cried every day as I learned one sentence at a time. And mm-hmm. so you can see that I'm able to talk now, but if you had asked me in 1949 to talk, I would be stuttering the whole way through. Mm. Well, Miss Allen, I want to thank you so much for being with us uh, this hour. You have just been fantastic and have shared so much information. I think there's been so many learnings uh, that we'll keep drawing from on this show. And then hopefully our listeners will also take from that as well. Uh, I want to thank you again for uh, uh, talking with us and being with us. I think you're just a great lady and I wish you only the best uh, going uh, going forward. Well, thank you so very much, and it's it's an opportunity and a pleasure for me to to lend my voice to the community. Love and and thanks. Thank you so much, Ms. Allen. And we're going to go to break, and we'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events. 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, that it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into from the inside out to reach carla walker or her guest today call us at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to carla walker from the inside out at gmail.com now back to the show ah welcome well what a thought-provoking hour we've had so far listening to Miss uh, Elmer Lucille Allen talk about her life and believe me that was just a snippet of Miss Allen's life uh, she has done so much uh, over the years and continues to doing it um, and uh, we really appreciate her for sharing that with us. I hope you got some things out of it. I mean, we're, the theme of our show today is exploring your life's purpose. And I was hoping as you listen to Miss Allen, you heard some ways in which you can begin seeing what your life, what that purpose is pointing to. Uh, one huge thing I think that uh, we need to remember or hope that you got out of this her conversation was she never stopped taking action you know I, I guess she could be a great brand ambassador for Nike just do it because that's what she did she just kept doing it and doing it and, and continues to do so this day so I say that to say you can't find your life's purpose by just thinking about it and not taking any action. You've got to take action um, if you want to do that. When I think about uh, trying to find my life's purpose, and these are questions that I've asked myself all the time. Why am I here? 
Uh, my friends laughed at me when I asked this question, you know, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing the right thing? How do I know what I'm doing? You know, somebody tell me, God, tell me, universe, send me a message. And, you know, you're always waiting on this answer and it doesn't ever seem to be coming fast enough. Um, and I, and I, I would imagine people are feeling that now, particularly in the world that we're living in, you know, everything is a uh, um, immediate satisfaction uh, is what we're looking for. Um, we have little time to wait and to see how things evolve. We want it right now. If it doesn't have it right now, then it must be uh, a failure. Well, no, um, let's just hold on. Stop for a minute. Uh, there are messages or signals all around in terms of what it is your life's purpose should be or what you should be working at. It's just that sometimes we don't hear them or we don't recognize the message because it's not wrapped up in a nice, neat little ball or uh, nobody's yelling or screaming at it in our face. So, uh, as, I, as I think about things that, that I've done that have told me what I don't like to do, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was uh, going through college, uh, it was a summer job, and I, I came home from college and uh, my parents said, you know, well, you know, uh, you should find a job, find something to do. And I found this job. And of course, when you're in college or out of college, you want to do something that's going to make money. At least I did. And so found this job in the paper that talked about uh, they were going to give me training and I could sell this, do this fabulous selling door to door uh, salesperson and I'm selling vacuum cleaners. And I mean, it sounded like something pretty easy to do. Everybody needs a vacuum cleaner, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, what I failed to think about is that most people have vacuum cleaners or uh, as well. But what we would do would be go, we went to this training and this guy who was fantastic, I don't remember his name, uh, he was really hyped up about, you know, motivating you and, oh, this is a fantastic product. I really learned about how a vacuum cleaner worked. Uh, that I still know to this day uh, by going to this training and learning that. So he was very good at, at, at the training aspect and at hyping you up. Then they sent you out on these calls where you would actually go door to door and take your little vacuum cleaner. I don't know if any of you have experienced this then. Uh, we say, well, what kind of vacuum cleaner do you have, ma'am? And you'd say, oh, I don't know, Electrolux or Kirby or Hoover or whatever it is. We say, oh, well, let me show you and what you're missing from your vacuum cleaner. Now, the thing is, the vacuum cleaner that we had was very, very powerful. And it was one that airlines were using at that time. And so we would take our vacuum cleaner and we'd do the demonstration and and we would vacuum up, but then we would pour dirt on the person's floor and try to vacuum it up with, with their vacuum. And then we would take ours after go over it and, you know, vacuum up and there would be more residual. And we could say, see what your vacuum cleaner missed? Um, and some people would buy the vacuum cleaner. Now, the catch is that this vacuum cleaner was very expensive. And what they wanted to do also was get you as part of your training. What they wanted to do was have you uh, also give them names of your friends and family so they could call them and ask them to buy a vacuum cleaner from you. But while you're there, 
actually uh, doing the uh, demonstration, if a person started saying no, you know, you always said, well, excuse me, um, let me just call my manager and see if they can uh, do anything for the prize or if they want to help it. So you'd call your manager and say, well, they're not really interested in it. And he said, well, let me talk to them. So they talk to the person and give them some kind of sales pitch. And then you get the phone back and they say, well, I talked to them and they sound like they're right on the edge. Why don't you tell them A, B, C, or D? You know, and then, you know, get back to us. And so you would try to do that and you'd do this over and over again. And uh, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. But that always fascinated me on how uh, that selling process worked and how some people would buy them and some wouldn't. What I couldn't really do was try to force friends and family to buy a vacuum cleaner that they couldn't afford. Um, That was kind of, for me, where I drew the line. Uh, at least I learned I drew the line because the message I got was I developed a, a condition where I was having trouble talking. I couldn't move my mouth. Uh, nothing would come out. So for me, that was a very strong message that I should not be doing this. So when I tell you that there are messages all the time in terms of those things you should or shouldn't do, I'm speaking from experience uh, along those lines. It's just that we don't always see them uh, or always hear them. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something um, as we close this. We're going to talk more about this on our next show. Uh But as you're thinking about your life's purpose, I'd like you to make a list of all those things you've tried, you've actually tried to do, and that you failed at, and why you'd failed at, or why you didn't like doing that. And then kind of make a second list of all those things that you love doing that bring you joy. What is it about those things that bring you joy? Uh, Why do you like doing it so much? How does that make you feel? Uh, What kick do you get out of it? You know, what's the energy level uh, when you're doing it? Who are the people that you find yourself working with uh, when you're when you're doing that? And and send me uh, some of your lists in terms of those things you hate and why and that thing that brings you the most joy. Uh, send it to Carla Walker from the inside out at gmail.com and we'll talk about this more on our show next time. This is a two-part series of exploring your purpose. Uh, I want to close our, our, the segment with just talking a little bit about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So in 1943, Abraham Maslow uh, created this hierarchy of needs. The first one was uh, physiological needs, you know, food, clothing, shelter. Then you've got safety needs, uh, you know, keep yourself safe and secure. Do I work in an environment that I feel protected in? Uh, esteem needs, self-actualization needs. And he also had a sixth need called self-transcendence, which we don't talk a lot about. But I'd like you to also think about the self-actualization piece, because that's what we're talking about in terms of finding that purpose and what that is. Um, I've had a great time with you over this hour. Uh, I would also challenge you 
to take one action toward your goal that will bring you closer to finding your purpose. Uh, Think about uh, Miss Allen and all that she has accomplished and continues to accomplish and keep doing it. Uh, Educate yourself, ask questions. And when someone says you can't do it, ask yourself, why not? Uh, And I look forward to talking to you more on this topic uh, in our next show. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Be grateful, be thankful, be humble. Uh, Hug your kids, hug your family, hug somebody you love. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to From the Inside Out. Be sure to join your host, Carla D. Walker, for another episode of the program next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information,